Freedom Hut. Trump released from the hospital and back at the White House. Journalists and Libs' hardest hit. NBC News holds a Biden infomercial, a VP debate preview, and mask up between bites of food. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here. An honor and a privilege, as always. And I am so pleased that I can share with you the, uh, the good news. I'm sure you've already seen it, but I still want to get to say it. I had a feeling it was going to happen yesterday, and it did. Uh, the president was released from the hospital. Now, now, before we get into the lib reaction to this, the way the Democrats responded to it and and how insane they are and how they are they are broken. They are clearly uh, and utterly out of their minds. Let's just first look at what a a normal person, a, a normal, decent American would think in response to this. The president is 74 years old. He is just by age in a higher risk category for COVID-19. And he's in and out of the hospital in three days. Three days. And he went to the hospital, remember, as a precaution, too. I think people lose sight of that in this whole conversation. It wasn't that he was in a dire situation, but they were trying to be as careful as possible because he's the leader of the free world. Now, everyone should think this is a this is just great news. This is objectively good news for the country. It's it's good news for the United States and for really, well, the whole world, at least everybody that we care about what they think. Um, and it is it would be really catastrophic in so many ways if the president was severely ill. First of all, he's a dad. He's a husband. He's got a wife and kids. I want every American to be safe and to beat any disease, any virus uh, they have, whatever it is. Right. And that's the the underlying that's the foundational viewpoint that we should all have when any of our fellow human beings and especially our fellow Americans become sick in, in an instance like this. Everyone who's in a hospital now, anywhere, anywhere in the country, anywhere around the world with covid, I, I hope they're able to beat it. And that's just the most obvious thing you can think of. But it's not the way the media responded to it. I mean, here's a, a senior citizen who has what can be a life threatening disease. He is the president of the United States as well. The markets tanked when he went into the hospital and markets jumped back up when he came out of the hospital. Uh, there's a lot right now that's on the plate of the president, even though we're in the midst of an election season. He still has things he's got to do for the good of the country. Right. We have vaccines under development that are going to need to be distributed with a lot of help from the federal government. We have all the national security threats and challenges still in the background. There's a lot here. You want a healthy president. Everyone should want a healthy president. But the Lib journals, not so much. I mean, maybe they wanted him to beat this eventually. I'll, I'll give them that. Although some didn't. And that's very clear from the jokes and the comments that they've made publicly. But they wanted him to suffer for a bit. One, because they hate him in an irrational and monstrous way but also because there's this whole narrative that they're invested in. There is a, a perception that the media has really built 
more so than than any other entity in this country, more so than even the public health officials and Fauci and all the rest. The, the mainstream media has convinced people that covid is horrifically dangerous to everyone. And and there's a perception and this is true from the polling. I mean, you can see people under 50 in America think covid is 40 times as lethal for them as it is on average 40 x not four and that's because of the media how many news stories have you seen about the spike in cases on college campuses i i think at this point tens of thousands of college kids have gotten covid19 tens of thousands of them already it might even be more than that now uh, how many fatalities have there been from this? How many hospitalizations? A handful of hospitalizations. I think there might be, as I speak to you now, one fatality of a college-age person from this. And you know, there are people who die from diseases that we don't worry about all the time who are college-age and, and don't make it in the news. We're talking about one in the whole nation, folks. When you're talking about a single person in an age category dying of a disease, you know, people die of West Nile virus. They die of the they die of the hantavirus, right? You're not terrified of that. Now I understand COVID has spread to far more people. It's a much bigger problem. But for that age group, for that age cohort, it really isn't a much bigger problem than the flu. It's just not. Statistically, if you're in college, COVID's not a real threat to you. Not any more so than other diseases that we've come to live with. This is the risk management and the uh, the framework for understanding this that everyone has a has been told to abandon right now and you're going to hear me talking a lot more about sweden in the days ahead you know as people yell my mask protects you and your mask protects me really why don't you tell the swedes that talking point because they're not wearing masks and they're fine fine they're better off in fact than all of their major european counterparts right now and what exactly was the lesson that we learned from this oh well we're not supposed to talk about that because now we have zip code by zip code lockdowns in New York. The dumbest thing I've heard. Oh, no, there's dumber. I can't even say in a long time. The dumbest thing I've heard in probably about less than 24 hours about COVID. That's where we are. But you see, the, the media also views COVID as a vessel for attacking Trump. Everyone's very upset. A lot of people have died from it. it there, there is a real concern for people who are in the higher risk category for it. Uh, we've had economic devastation from it. People have lost their jobs. I've had friends get fired from their not, you know, let go, not fired for cause, but lost their jobs because of covid. And we've we've suffered through all of this. And so there is a lot of anger out there, which you see from the protests. And there were more of them in L.A. last night, you know, black block BLM protests, uh, Antifa protests, you know, black block is the tactic. And uh, I, I guess it's the right wing that's doing it, but. We have all this happening in the country and there's all this anger that's built up and the media and the Democrat Party understands that what's most politically useful for them is for it all to be directed at President Trump. So they want people I've been calling it for the whole summer, as you know, the Make America Miserable Again campaign. They want people angry, despondent, depressed. They want them frightened. And what happened last night was the president of the United States came out and basically delivered a roundhouse kick into the face of be afraid, be very afraid of COVID narrative. 
They just don't want to hear this. They, they don't want anyone to think that this could be a new approach going forward. The president said, I'll be leaving. This was yesterday. The, the great Walter Reed at 630 p.m. feeling good. And then he wrote, don't be afraid of covid. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge. And then he wrote, I feel better than I did 20 years ago. What's the big problem here? Don't let it dominate your life. Don't be afraid. The media completely flipped out about this because their response is no, be terrified and let it dominate your life. In fact, let it dominate your life so much that you will acquiesce to the moronic and tyrannical demands of mostly, but not entirely, Democrat governors and and Democrat politicians and officials throughout the country who are pretending like we can't see what has happened, what has worked, what hasn't. And now they're preparing to lock the country down again just in time for the election. What a surprise. I've been telling you this for the last really six months. As soon as we're as soon as we're out of lockdown, they're going to put us back into it. As soon as we get past this, they're going to decide that, oh, no, right in time for the election, we have to lock down again. I mean, they're the ones that have made this an issue of theatrics. Wearing a mask is annoying. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. Democrats are the ones who put masks on for their Facebook photos and their Twitter avatars. When they're alone doing interviews, they still wear a mask, even though I don't think the virus can travel over Zoom or Skype. But this has become a political symbol. This this is really their their primary rallying mechanism in this election cycle against Trump. You wear a mask because you have to in New York City and then other places across the country. Uh, And so it also makes it seem like because some portion of the people that do it are wearing masks in solidarity with Biden, the Democrat narrative, the more masks you see, the stronger that narrative, that the stronger that support must be. And Trump just delivered uh, a a very difficult, a very, a very challenging bit of information here for those who want us all to be in constant fear of this, because here's a 74 year old man who uh, looks like he's going to entirely beat this thing in a very brief period of time with minimal symptoms. Kaylee McEnany also tested uh, positive. She has COVID-19. You know, you all know she's a friend of mine now going on almost uh, 10 years. She says she feels fine, doesn't even have any symptoms. So she's positive for COVID. She's uh, in her 30s. I forget. I think she's about 30, 33, 34. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. She's a lady. I don't know if we're allowed to say her age. But uh, she has no symptoms whatsoever as of today. So we have people who in their 20s and 30s, if they get this, the chance of them really having a problem with it is infinitesimal. But they walk around with handkerchiefs around their faces and scream at people who go for jogs by themselves outside without a mask on. They think that's rational. They think that's normal. This is a nightmare for the libs, which is why they were reacting the way they did as the president made it back to the White House and showed the country that we can beat this just like Trump is beating this. We can live our lives not in fear, but with an understanding and with a real acceptance that nothing is perfect. There are risks in life and you need to choose which ones you're willing to take. The mandates, the the national dictates about how we're going to handle this 
does not take into account, one, the constitutional violations that we're talking about here. Governor Cuomo is threatening to shut down places of religious worship in New York City openly. He's saying, I'll shut down your synagogue to the Jewish community in Brooklyn and Queens here. And Democrats have no problem with this. So, you know, in some stores, I'm sorry, in some states, the weed stores are open, but the synagogues have to close. The churches have to close. That's that's way too dangerous. Uh, No one's really looking at science and data anymore. They're all just pushing preferred narratives on the left. And that's why the president is such a problem for them. He wasn't supposed to be able to get in and out of the hospital in three days and say he's feeling good. He wasn't supposed to be able to have all the yes, it was theatrical. And they've already released what feels like a movie trailer about Trump's return to the White House. The campaign has. But he did. And now they have to deal with it. And now they have to accept the reality of a country that's beginning to see that they don't all have to be living in fear anymore. That's really part of the vote that's coming up here. Are Democrats going to be in charge and get you to live in fear for the next year, year and a half, maybe two because of covid? Or do you or do you go with the Trump administration that's going to work through this as rationally as possible, as reasonably as possible, understanding that nothing is perfect, but we'll get through this together. This is a nightmare for the left. They may be in a situation here. Just understand this. Where Trump beats covid, ACB gets confirmed and then Trump beats Biden. They know this can happen and they know they can't process or accept or handle it on any level, which is why they are panicking right now you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast all right now let's talk about the way the media reacted to the president of the united states being discharged from the hospital you know they really were flying the hammer and sickle at half staff outside cnn i I could tell they were really bothered by this Uh, but here you have a, a Yahoo News reporter. This is this is exactly when someone comes out of the hospital, you know, what you want to do right away. Accuse them of basically being a mass murderer. Uh, here's a Yahoo News reporter right as the president is leaving yesterday evening. Play three. Mr. President, how many staff are sick? How many of your staff are sick? Thank you very much. Do you think you might be a super spreader, Mr. President? Do you think you might be? A super spreader, Mr. President. That's the question that's being asked. First of all, how would the president have any idea? How would anyone have any idea at this point? I mean, it's much more likely that someone on the president's staff or near him, just because there's so many more of them, do the numbers on this, got infected, and then the president picked it up that way. But this, is, this shows the, the mentality. Instead of asking optimistic questions, Mr. President, he's leaving the hospital, folks, okay? We, we can ask him about, you know, how do you, how do you feel and... You know, Mr. President, do you have anything to say about the fantastic staff at Walter Reed and what they've done? You know, that's what you would if it was a Democrat president. Oh, my gosh, there would be people crying tears of joy. They'd be, you know, running out and, you know, throwing garlands of flowers. And I would just be a total uh, a total celebratory atmosphere. But no, this president got out of the hospital, which really makes the libs a little bit sad. It makes them a little bit sad on the inside. They really can't help it. So, yeah, are you a super spreader is the question that's asked. 
That's really, really classy, really classy thing for uh, Yahoo News to be asking the president as if he's going to say what he's going to say. Yes. No. The question is the accusation. Right. We've seen this game before. That's why they're asking about this. The question is the accusation. And uh, that's also what you, you, you see this for the way that the press uh, poses these things. And, and then also their analysis, which was even more unhinged, uh, even crazier. Here's on MSNBC. The president leaves the hospital. He's standing outside the White House. There's nobody around him in this video shot. I watched it as it happened live. There's nobody around him in this video shot for like 50 feet. Um, but they're having a total a total meltdown about it. Play 18. This is a, a Mussolini moment. Uh, Donald Trump, who looks like he has makeup on, which means somebody had to get close enough to make up his face with his favorite orange patina. He's standing there as if he is... Um, you know, a member of the old Russian czar family. Um, I, I don't know what that's supposed to be. I guess it's his sort of discount Bolsonaro, Nira. A Mussolini moment. This guy's 74, just got out of the hospital, discharged because he's doing well in his fight against COVID. And the Democrats can't show any class, decency or humanity for, for a day. I mean, just, just give the guy a day where you're like, oh, the president's out. Okay. No, right away jumping on the optics of this and it and it's it's fascism and you know mocking the mocking the president uh for for having makeup on and first of all everyone who goes on tv all the time these people all have makeup on um but what is this really supposed to do all it is it, she's that's joy ann reed i mean she is dripping with hatred and venom for this president it, it just exudes she, she can't help it people have been trained they've been conditioned they don't even view him as a human being anymore. It's obvious from the way they talk about him, the way they respond to him. This is a senior citizen who just got out of the hospital where he was admitted for COVID. And they're they're clearly upset about this. I mean, I don't they can't hide it. They can't hide their disdain. And what's more, I don't even think they want to hide it. They want to show their viewers how much they hate this guy. Look, they're unhinged. They're deranged. They're a, a big problem. And we have to face this as a nation. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, it wasn't just a handful of media libs freaking out about the president's discharge from Walter Reed. Uh, there was so much anger and rage about this all across the media. They, they were really, it's like, it's like somebody canceled Christmas Halloween and Thanksgiving all at once. They were very, very sad, outraged. Here's uh, just a collection. I think this is from Grabian. A collection of how the media responded to this. But really the notion that the president says you should not live in fear of this. The media has been very clear. They want you to live in fear of this. You are supposed to live in fear of the virus. Uh, and and that, those are your orders now from from the elite Democrat media, from the Democrat Party, the Biden campaign. Be very afraid and do everything we say. And only then, maybe if we win the election at some point, will we give you your life back? That's the promise that they're making to you. It's pretty terrifying. Play 14. 
President Trump wrote on Twitter, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. Almost 210,000 Americans are dead. Speaking of outrageous, uh, this outrageous tweet. Oh my goodness, Nicole, when I saw that Trump, I mean, I, I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless. It is uh, cruel. Jake, this is this is so disrespectful. I'm not even sure I can I can speak about this. It's incredibly, uh, incredibly disrespectful. What does that mean? Don't be afraid of it. I mean, first of all, it's it's a contagious disease that kills people. There's nowhere to even begin. It's gross. It's such a distressing moment. It's just so horrible, so, so destructive to say I feel better than I have in 20 years. The president says it's no big deal. Uh, I mean, it's outrageous. It is insulting uh, to the people who have lost loved ones. It is insulting to every American who wears a mask. I mean, it's disgraceful, Wolf. It's absurd. Unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're so emotionally broken. Let's really think about this. The president says, don't let COVID dominate your life. That triggers the libs. We are supposed to let it dominate our lives. We are supposed to stay home indoors for another six months at least stay away from people wear a mask constantly i have to wear a mask on the on the treadmill in my it's insane by myself they have a camera in the gym if you don't wear that mask they're going to come up there and yell at you gotta wear a mask by yourself i don't know that many people that are really sick that are going to want to go work out but anyway all over the asymptomatic spread right so they have an answer for everything about how live in fear is the answer constantly live in fear of this disease huge numbers of college kids have gotten this and we're still supposed to uh, think that it's a terrible risk shut down the colleges shut down the colleges that's what everyone's been saying what why what we have run the experiment we have done what they told us to do it didn't work it was counterproductive back off that's what actually needs to happen right now you know that sweden I know that this is like, why are we talking so much about this Nordic country of 10 million? Because they're the control group. They're the control group for the study of state control and uh, and demands during covid. As of last week, I think it was there was an epidemiologist from Harvard. It's a pretty serious medical school, Harvard Medical School. Uh, guy's a world renowned doctor, wrote an, wrote a, a piece in a UK paper. I'm sure it's hard to get this published in the US right now wrote a piece, and I think it was The Independent, and he said, I pointed out that there are a couple of million school-aged children in Sweden. They've never locked down the schools there. They never shut them down. They kept kids in school the whole time. Out of the 1.8 million school-aged children in Sweden, do you know how many have died? Zero. Wow. Okay. Do you know how many children die every year in just... I think it was uh, Scotland and Wales was this was this uh, citation he made in the UK. About 50 die from flu in, in those two parts of the United Kingdom every year. Now, that's not a huge number, but keep in mind, it's much larger than how many people are dying of that age group in any Western country. But schools are shut down. People say, oh, Buck, it's because of the teachers. Um Okay, teachers that are above the age of 50 should should try to work more remotely. And, you know, the way to handle this has been clear for a long time now. Protect the vulnerable population, which is an age restricted group. Make all the provisions necessary for the medical care, but also the 
you know, to, to make sure that we can safely keep them from feeling isolated, right? To make sure that the technology is in place, to make sure that family can be there and that there's testing to make sure that people that are still willing to go see people at higher risk can at least get a quick result. I came back from, I think it was North Carolina, which was on the restricted list. And I was told the test and trace core is all over me every day. Oh, excuse me, the test and trace core. I'm like, what do you guys do you know that uh, you've been to a state? Yeah, I know. Obviously, that's why you're calling me. Are, are you staying home for two weeks? Yeah, I'm staying home for two weeks, which, by the way, no one's staying home for two weeks. And so that's all nonsense. Ten thousand dollar fine, they say. That's great. Let's have laws that are really dictates by a governor that are not enforced. And if they are enforced, it's going to be capricious enforcement of it. Let's see what that does to our sense of of the system and its seriousness. But uh, I wanted to get a test uh, just to make sure that, you know, in case I was going to go near my parents for the first, let's say, 10 days or so after I got back. You know how long they told me it was going to take to get test results back at every testing center I went to? 10 to 14 days. Oh, that's great. That's really that was really and this was in August. So instead, but, but you want what you want are millions and millions of tests. You don't want tests that are very rapid, highly efficient and accessible for people that have really been exposed. What you want is just masses of people getting tested all the time. We have a, 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 a two or three percent positivity rate. That means that 97 out of 100 people in New York who get tested don't have covid. And there's also a false positivity rate that's at least one percent. It is for any PCR test. So how many people are even getting positive results back that aren't real? Folks, this has been the whole thing has been botched because of all the fear. It's been botched because people won't listen to reason. Yes, people are dying from covid will die from covid. It's horrible. There are a lot of diseases out there that people die from and that are horrible. We don't shut down society. We don't shut down the economy. And, and we were having a discussion about this at the beginning, but then the fear mongers just completely took over. And then the Democrats realized this was a mechanism for control. They realized that this was going to keep the country economically and psychologically depressed in an election year. And they could also pose as the, the great and virtuous people. Right? I mean, you've got fake Tapper tweeting out photos of himself. I'm alone in my office at CNN, but I'm still wearing a mask because that's what adults do. No, that's moronic, actually. It means nothing. You're alone. Why are you wearing a mask? You're worried you're going to infect yourself? Makes no sense. But see, it's all about you, you share the photo. I've got a mask on like a good person. I'm one of the good people. I'm surprised that libs aren't yelling at me. I'm doing a show in my apartment alone at home. No one else coming in here all day. It's kind of kind of boring, really. And uh, am I supposed to wear a mask? You know, because that's what the adults do. That's what the good people do. This is uh, this is all just outrageous at this point. Yeah, it's all nuts. And the media realizes that they haven't been able to defeat Trump, even with all the challenges of this year, with everything that we've seen. They have not been able to have the knockout blow against this guy politically. And that's part of what this freak out is. They, they just they felt like, oh, look at him. Remember what the narrative was last week? Trump has COVID because he's reckless and doesn't believe in science and he's a bad person. That's what the narrative was all day Friday, all through the weekend. And then it's like Trump waving everybody saying, all right, I'm out, had COVID. Looks like I'm going to be all right. Not out of the woods yet entirely, but looks like I'm going to be just fine. <gasps> what do you mean? You're not allowed to be just fine. You're supposed to be terrified. You're supposed to, to hide forever from this. You know, they... 
they still cling to this. They, they believe that that's the response that we are all supposed to have. Everybody should be afraid. That's what they want you to say. Oh, here, here's a fake tapper doing the usual, you know, moral condescension toward not just the president, all of his supporters, as if he is somebody who we can trust on, on anything. Play 17. 210,000 Americans dead, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans mourning them. 7.4 million Americans uh, have contracted the disease. Many of them are going to have health problems for the rest of their life. For President Trump, who gets the best medical care of anybody in the world, to say, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. There are children who don't have parents now because of this virus. Don't let it dominate your life. Yeah. That's that's the let it dominate your life. I mean, he raises the question. Let it dominate your life. That's what he's that is the message. Be terrified. Don't go outside. Have someone else deliver your groceries. Oh, of course, all these people have other people out there in the world that are doing the things for them that, you know, are icky when it comes to covid. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Tapper sends a staffer to go you know, pick up lunch for him whenever he wants or go do his groceries or whatever it may be among many other uh, millionaire anchors at CNN. So. But but notice it's uh, be terrified. Let it dominate your life. That's what they want you. Let it dominate your life for as long as it's out there. What if what if the vaccines are only 50 percent effective, which is a very real possibility? And they'll still remember if it's 50 percent effective, I think that's the threshold for it gets approved. Well, then what? We're just going to let it dominate our lives forever. At what point do we just get to tell the people that are going to constantly be afraid? Look, if they want to be afraid, I'm not making anybody do anything. They're making you. They want to control you. They want to they, because of their fear. You don't have any rights. That's the way the society works now. People are scared largely because they've been brainwashed. So you can't make your own decisions about what risks you're willing to take when it comes to your own health. I mean, I'm talking about risks. I'm not saying, you know, start. Uh, you know, doing doing heroin and going bungee jumping and something. I, I'm talking about whether you can breathe air outdoors without a cloth over your face, without a face diaper on. It's absurd. But this is where they are. They're dug in. They're never going to change. They're never going to switch up on this thing. They've got an election to win. And if the American people are starting to feel optimistic, if Trump's rise, if his ability to beat this virus becomes a symbol of how the whole country can beat the virus, then all of a sudden, this uh, geriatric mediocrity known as Joe Biden doesn't seem that compelling to the people who aren't already brainwashed libs. So they've got to just do everything they can to get so mad at Trump, so angry at him over all of this. And it's as though he's killed 200,000 people. Did Trump kill all the people in Europe who have died of COVID? Is, is it because of his recklessness that that's why that happened? I just want to know. Um, is it because of the lack of mask adherence? from all the Trump supporters in Madrid that that city is currently on lockdown? Or, or, or was it all the right-wing media outlets that convinced the Irish not to do enough social distancing and masking because they're going on a national lockdown? I just want to know, do they have answers to any of these questions? No, all they have is the repetition, the recycling of talking points from the past that were abandoned when it didn't work, and now they're saying it again. Now they double down on it. Oh, all we had to do to stop the pandemic was wear masks. But at the very beginning, they didn't realize this. What mask technology changed between now and then? I just want to know. Oh, OK. So we're supposed to listen to the people who didn't tell us how to stop this whole thing in its tracks from the very beginning. Fauci and all the rest. Here's what you have with these folks, friends. 
Uh, a lot of these public health experts have just been in positions. They're just bureaucrats. They go to meetings. The CDC puts out memos. No one pays attention to them. Oh, we might have a bad flu season this year. Some people read it. Barely anyone cares. There's no, there's no uh, mechanism in place for excellence at these institutions. The CDC completely botched the early days of testing when it actually would have been most useful. As we know, this is just a matter of record now. And they explicitly told us not to wear masks. The World Health Organization, is, is, that a, is that an institution that we still listen to? Yes or no? I'm, I'm never sure. Well, they just put out a study this week that you won't hear about from anywhere else. They estimate that 10% of the world's population has already been infected with the coronavirus. Of the world's population. That's 760 million people. Johns Hopkins has been saying there are 35 million cases. Okay, 760 million people is what they actually think have been infected with this. When you start looking at the fatality rate against 760 million cases, you know what it's close to above, above, but very close to the bad flu season. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, Better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. One of my favorite Trump statements of all time. I, I couldn't agree more with what he said. He completely en encapsulates uh, and, and really just shares my thinking on how we should all approach this. Life has risk. He says he's a leader. This, he's the commander in chief. He sends men and women to die for this country based upon what he thinks is in the U.S. national interest. He's not going to go out and campaign. He's not going to be around the people that empower him because of the chance of getting a respiratory virus. No, that's the Biden plan. Hide in the basement. We have a very clear choice here. Do you want people to think you should hide for, for as long as it takes from this? Even though all of science until about February of 2020 was saying lockdowns are a terrible idea. You can't wait for a vaccine. You just have to do point by point mitigation efforts where you can an individual basis. And that's kind of it. And then all of a sudden it'll, it, it changed, right? Because Trump is president and all of a sudden panic was was necessary, useful for the Democrats. Look, it's one of the best statements President Trump has ever made which is why it's probably the single thing that Trump has said that the liberals hate the most, at least in recent memory. 
Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know who I think we really need to hear from right now? Bro Cuomo. Remember him? Remember the guy who staged the emerging from his COVID lockdown in his uh, mansion in the Hamptons? It was really tough. Really tough, uh, that that lockdown in the mansion, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, not all heroes wear capes. And uh, you know, they, they had that old stage thing. He was seen by people outside while he had COVID mingling and going to check out his other, you know, his other Hamptons mansion. Right. I mean, there was there was that. Um, but we're supposed to forget about all that now. And uh, this is what this is how he responds to Trump when he went. I mean, it was amazing to watch it in real time. You, it was it was really like the scene in Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark when all the Nazis' faces melt off when they open the ark. I'm not saying that they're Nazis, but I'm just saying the, the faces melting off. Uh, it was like that. You were watching in real time as Lib Media was just ah, it all turning into piles of goo. It was pretty amazing. Uh, bro Cuomo is like, whoa, hold on a second. Do we even lift, bro? And he, uh, he, he, he was going to protect his audience from even seeing the the propaganda that Trump was putting out, play 19. He didn't just walk into the White House one time with no mask tonight. He had his video crew capture that stupid scene again so he could put out propaganda, fronting a lie to his people once again, just like, don't worry about the mask. Now he says, don't worry about COVID. Don't let it control your life. Just propaganda. That's all it is. I know this sound to it. I'm not going to play it for you. Why should I? How much bull do you need in your life? Okay, I just want to be clear. So CNN now takes a, we don't want to expose you to too much Trump BS. (laughs) Without Trump, CNN would have, you know, one news story a week from some part of the world that no one cares about, but how, you know, they've, oh, look at at what they've done here. I mean, they have nothing without Trump. What would they even talk about over there? This is all they care about now. Because Jeff Zucker personally hates the president i know this from people at cnn zucker despises trump wants to take him down and views this as as really a a contest between him and trump in a lot of ways you know he's run cnn the president president can't withstand the ire of cnn in fact i know i know the person who overheard zucker's assistant on the acela train to dc saying that if Trump wants to go to war with CNN, he's going to get a war with CNN during the campaign in 2016. So th- this is all I mean, they could pretend, oh, we're just journals or whatever. No, that it's all it's a it's a DNC pack that doesn't have to register. That's what CNN has become. Uh, and and they, they, we're not even going to expose you to this. They, they actually they worry that it will traumatize people now because they've con- they condition their audience to think, see, we told you, look at what look at what happened to Trump and Trump saying to them. Yeah, look at what happened. I went out and lived my life. We took some precautions. It wasn't enough. I'm the president. We have a lot of testing going on. It still wasn't enough. But now I beat this thing and I'm OK. You can choose to live your life too. people who want to hide under their beds from this forever. Go for it. But remember, they're not saying that they want to do that. They want to force their fears upon you. They want to make you do what is necessary for their emotional health. And they want the force of the state. They want police to shut down your business. 
They want your own building, you know, your own homeowners association or your condo or your neighborhood, whatever. To get all up in your face over not wearing a mask outside. That's what they're demanding. They're not they're not demanding. Hey, can you guys let us do our thing? No, you have to do what they say. My mask protects you. Your mask protects me. This is this is what the, the libs are constantly are constantly saying, uh, which is just absurd. It's like whose streets are streets. But they're they're traumatized by this. They actually worry that if they expose their audience to what's really going on now, um, people are, are going to have, I think, a real, real emotional breakdown moment. Here's CNN's John Brown. I mean, look, we could do this all day. I, I, we are going to move on to some other stuff here. He had Biden last night with the, it was a, it was a straight up campaign commercial that they didn't pay for. It was an infomercial on NBC, which, of course, is. But Biden still said things that are Biden things. And so he said dumbass stuff. And we'll get into that. But here's CNN's John Berman. When Trump takes off his mask, he's outside by himself. But he takes off his mask. And this is what this is what CNN's John Berman says at Play 21. And the president in that Sunset Boulevard gesture whipped his mask off in front of the American people on the nightly news last night. So as a doctor whose job it is, you know, take it off, please don't even put it on the screen. Please take it off because that's going to kill people. (laughs) Oh, my God, they're so crazy. If that's going to kill people. Is he supposed to wear a mask when he goes to sleep at night? Is he supposed to wear a mask in the shower? Look, the, the, the libs were nuts before all this happened. Trump broke them years ago. They believe in this fairy tale about Russia collusion, and all this stuff. But now they're really saying things like Trump is killing people because he's outside by himself and he took his mask off. They really think they think that masks are, are that are that crucial and critical all the time. Who's he going to infect? Mika, who really, you know, oh, she's just the worst kind of, you know, Mika is, is just, you know, Nancy Pelosi and, but, you know, 20 years before or whatever. Uh, but, he, you know, the, the classic limousine liberal has no real connection to the people. And it's just just finds everybody who's not, you know, lunching at the right places to be icky. Uh, here she is on, you know, Mika's guy where she is because of her last name. We all know it. So let's just be honest about it. And the whole thing where she abandoned her family and Joe Scarborough abandoned his family and they were co-workers, colleagues, and they started, you know, the whole thing is. <sighs> but she likes to lecture people. A- a- and her and Joe were all about Trump in 2016 until Trump's like, I don't like them anymore. No, no more special access for you guys. And then that was the end of it. Then all of a sudden Trump was literally Hitler. Uh, this may have been the, the, there were so many great lines of insane hysteria. This may have been the best one. Play 20. You're a lawyer. Maybe Mm -hmm. the president's just immune from everything. Yes, I am. Because the president said me, maybe I'm immune now. Is he legally immune? What if his secret service men and women who have to drive him around in these vans and get exposed to his deadly coronavirus, Mm -hmm. what if one of them gets sick and die? What if somebody at that Rose Garden event gets sick and dies? I don't want this to happen, and I wish for his health. But I'm just wondering, he's pushing all of this against the advice of the professionals in his government, against the advice of scientists. At some, some point, isn't this manslaughter i mean you you, if you if you purposefully 
put people yeah, in a position where yeah. you send a vet deadly virus their way. Mm-hmm. What is that? Isn't it manslaughter? No, you just, you abject nincompoop. It's not manslaughter. Or otherwise, we've apparently all been murdering people with flu for as long as we've been alive because we weren't wearing masks. People who believe in the sacred powers of cloth masks now will dismiss this, but they have no real response if you force them on the issue other than 30 to 60,000 flu deaths every year is not that bad. No, those lives don't really matter that much, apparently, to the lockdowners. Not that, not that bad. No, we just realized that that would be, it's, it's too much of an imposition. It doesn't work. It's not effective. You're not saving lives. You're just harassing and annoying everybody. But this is the same logic that people have with, if it would save one, one life with gun control, let's get rid of everyone's 10-round magazines. Let's make, the, let's make them six-round magazines, seven-round. That, that'll save lives. No, you're just annoying people. It's not going to work. People aren't going to turn in their magazines. But it's the same mentality. Nothing is too petty, useless. As long as they get to control it and they feel good about themselves while they do it. This is like people who really believe they're making a big difference in the environment by taking a bicycle to work instead of driving. It's completely irrational. It means nothing. But, you know, they're one of the good people. Yeah, it's it's manslaughter. It's manslaughter, they say, or Mika says here because the president is exposing everybody this virus. What do you think the lib media is going to do when everyone in Trump's you know circle that has gotten covid-19 in, in, the, in this last few days we've heard about? They all recover and they're all fine. What, what do you think their line's going to be then? Oh, they've all had the best because right now it's Trump has better health care than everybody else. OK, he has special health care, but they're not. They're not giving him there's not some secret antidote that they don't haven't given to everybody else that you can't get. Remdesivir is a standard of care now in major hospitals across the country. Uh, dexamethasone, the steroid they've, they've been giving him, has been around for a very long time. It's not rare or hard to get. Uh, you know, w- what exactly is it? You know, the antibodies that have been cleared for usage. Uh, other people have also been been getting them, but they, they threw everything they had at the president and he's looking pretty good. As I've already said to you, Kaylee McEnany, I'm sure it's probably the case with Hope Hicks, too. I haven't seen any specifics about her symptoms so far, but Kaylee doesn't even doesn't even have any symptoms. Imagine being told that you have to live in fear of a disease and then, you, you know, fear of a disease and that it should dominate your life because that's what they're saying. And then you get it and you say. I can't even I have a disease that I don't even know that I have. Doesn't that are, are we allowed to make some distinction, some determination about how much that affects our, our fear and, and our policies around this? There are top top epidemiologists, Harvard, Stanford, medical schools who will say we, we know the, the real data is as follows. The real approach should be protect people who are older Make sure that anyone who's especially older and has a pre-existing condition that would be a comorbidity for this uh, has their, their, you know, that that's where the focus of resources on testing, on treatment, on everything should be. They should also get the vaccine first. And the rest of the population under 50, go live your life. Now, people say, but what about my grandma? If you have someone, if you are under 50 and you have to take care of a grandparent or, or a parent who's. Uh, who's at higher risk, then that also that you should consider yourself to be in 
that higher risk category of what you're willing to do. But there are a lot of people that that's not the case. They're not in contact with people. Who are at high. So we make the policy for everyone, for, for toddlers in preschool, the same as we'd make the policy. It's nuts. It's nuts. And there's um, look, there's there's one person, I think, who's more to blame for this than anybody else. And I'm, I'm tired of him. Uh, he's completely lacking in humility. He's clearly a giant lib. And uh, I, I think that he's responsible for a tremendous amount of damage in the country. I don't think he's a hero at all. And we'll hear what he says about all this in just a second. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You know, I'd like to say that everything is going to be great by Thanksgiving. But honestly, Chris, I'm not so sure it is. Mm. We've got to get that baseline of infection down. We're stuck at 40,000. We got to go below 10,000, way below 10,000 throughout the country. And we got to do it uniformly. I mean, I feel like, you know, I preach this all the time. We'll get there if we do uniform wearing of masks, keeping distance, avoiding crowds, indoor, outdoors much more than indoors and washing your hands. I've been with you on the show multiple times, and I say that over and over again. I know, and if as a country we actually did it, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now, for sure. Why is Sweden in the position it's in, and they never did any of the things that he says we have to do? Anyone want to try and answer to that one? Just wondering. Oh, it's on us, you see. Notice, what else is he really going to say, though? Think, Think this one through on your own. Forget about all the media narratives and everything else. What's Fauci going to say? Um, I, you know, I'm the, I'm the head of a public health organization that grossly underperforms and is full of bureaucratic ineptitude and is usually sending out, you know, important message from the CDC. Gun violence is bad. Uh, but here I got to say, you know, it's really on all you guys. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be on me. And I will have told you to do things that are annoying, that have caused huge spikes in suicide, in depression, in cancer, uh, and ruined your economy and your business for no reason. He's never going to say that. That's never going to happen. I don't, it doesn't matter what. They're always going to say that it was necessary. What a, could you imagine? Hey, guys, sorry about all that lockdown stuff. I was wrong about all that. They're never, they're ne- so don't ever think that we're going to reach a point where they'll be honesty about this. It's never going to happen. It's like Russia collusion. They ran everything down to the ground, and now all the facts show that it was a fabrication of Hillary Clinton's DNC, the Hillary campaign, and deep state Democrats and, uh, and their media operatives. That's all. That's the whole thing. It was all a fabrication. There was no real evidence. They made it all up. But they don't care. They still say, well, we'll find the evidence one day. We just don't. It's still out there. Here you have Fauci saying that if only we wore masks better, if you wore masks better, uh, we would not be in this problem. Hmm. Interesting. I was here and I have not forgotten in New York City when because you have to remember, we believe people say, oh, Buck, but no, we've gotten better at wearing masks or we take it. That's a lie. In New York City, at the very beginning of this, people, including me, were very worried because we did not know about the age stratification. We did not have that data. Not really. We saw what happened in Italy. Everyone was completely freaked out. And we all we were like St. Fauci, whatever you say, St. Fauci, we're washing our hands, we're wearing masks, we're social distancing, we're locked down and cases just rocketed up and stayed up and came down after almost two months for almost two months. 
and everyone was wearing a mask everywhere they went all the time. But now if we wear masks better, we're going to be out of this. I'm sorry. These see, ultimately you have to remember these people aren't smarter than you. And, and I know that that's probably a controversial thing to say, but they're really not. You know, what was the last time Fauci was really tested? When was the last time somebody really checked in on this guy? What, is, what does he know? Yeah, he's been in the game a long time at the CDC. Great. You think, you know, you think that's where you would really want to be if you were a great medical mind? I mean, not exactly a ton of amazing breakthroughs happening there in the bureaucracy. I'm just going to say it. They're just not they're not as clever as everyone wants them to believe. And there are a lot of doctors who are libs and they're all part of the hive mind and the group think. I know other doctors who will tell you, look, this stuff is, you know, it's really kind of a disgrace what's going on uh, where they won't be honest about where they've been wrong. They just say, oh, we've got new data now. No, they, well, what new data? The new data says everything that we've done hasn't really mattered very much. The initial premise of all of this was hospital capacity. I have to keep reminding everybody of this. Now Fauci saying shut down the virus with masks indefinitely. That was never the plan. That was never the argument that was made in the beginning. It was, oh, gosh, guys, we're not going to have enough ventilators. There's going to be people dying in the in the ER on the uh, on the floor because we have nothing to do with them. We can't you know, treat them. We don't have the doctors to treat them. And so please stay home so we can at least get a handle on this. That was and then it was, no, you're going to keep staying home. You're going to keep staying home. You're going to keep staying home. What? That was why would they be dishonest? What am I saying? That's not true. Someone explain. Where am I wrong here? I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth, the truth that they don't want people to spend any time thinking about. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a doctor to know this. All you have to know is what they said and what they're saying now. If we only wore masks, we would crush this thing. He's telling us. Why wasn't that? the? Why wasn't that the point from day one? Because he would have had to say, get ready to wear a mask and be in lockdown for the next 12 to 18 months. And nobody would have gone along with that. Why? Oh, I guess because we're all heartless monsters, right? Their arguments don't hold up. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about Joe Biden. He's the guy that's going to make it all better, right? That's what they're telling you. What would Joe do if he were in charge? Well, there was this uh, NBC town hall last night, which was just laughable. It was let's let's pose a bunch of softball questions from Democrats to the to the presidential candidate here for the Democrats so that he can look as good as possible in front of a national TV audience. That was what really happened. They can call it a town hall from undecided voters or whatever, but mm -mm, it's not what actually went down. Uh, but here, here's the first thing that, that Biden says. Um, play clip one. My prayers continue to be with the president and the first lady for their health and safety. As they, like so many American families, are dealing with COVID-19. I was glad to see the president speaking and recording videos over the weekend. Now that he's busy tweeting campaign messages, I would ask him to do this. Listen to the scientists. Support masks. Support a mask mandates nationwide require masks in every federal building and facility and inter interstate travel urge every governor and mayor to do the same we know it saves lives his administration just rejected a mask mandate for public transportation on friday the cia came along and said we need to be protected 
And they said no. I believe that was wrong and not very rational. He wants a mask mandate federally. They want, this is what people forget. We've gone through this and look at all the intrusion. By the way, that was from uh, Biden on the campaign trail. We'll get into the NBC town hall stuff in a second, but I want to play that for you. Uh, He's saying, and that was before Trump got out of the hospital. They, they, once the federal government falls in the hands of a Democrat, what you've seen so far with the intrusiveness, the arbitrariness, the stupidity of these policies, it's going to be so much worse. Because they're not going to change. You, you think they're going to look at the new data? And, oh, I know people have been thinking, come on, we're going to have a vaccine. Just wait. I, I guarantee you there will be a whole lib movement to tell people it doesn't matter if you've gotten the vaccine. You still have to wear a mask. Oh, OK. That's that's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Listen to the sign. It's not vaccines, not perfect. Wear a mask. That's what they're going to say to you. Because I know their mentality. They really just want to be right. They're so invested in this idea that they're the good, smart people who believe in science. They never really think about anything. They just are, are they're emotionally and psychologically needy for the comfort they get from this false consensus around these issues. That's what they're really going to do. That's what's going to happen. Mark, mark my words. We'll, we'll come back. Remember, I tell you about about these predictions. You know, I said they were going to lock us down again, and that's what they're doing in New York. They're already doing it. I've been saying that for months. And now they're, they're going to tell you once the vaccine comes out. First of all, we've already seen them do a lot of undermining of the vaccine. Oh, I don't know if you can trust Trump with this one. I don't know if you can trust him. Hmm. A, a little bit of selective anti-vaxxing is right on brand for the Democrats these days, right? You know, they're, they're willing to... We want to talk about costing lives and manslaughter. There will be people, and I, I think a large number of them, who will not get this vaccine and put aside whether you think the vaccine works or not yet and all that. We haven't, I know it hasn't been approved. But the, uh, there will be people who do not get vaccinated, who are in the high-risk category, who will die. And the reason they don't get vaccinated is because they've heard the BS from Kamala, from Biden. Oh, we don't know if we can trust him. Don't know if we can trust him. So just remember that. Well, they're all, oh, it's manslaughter that Trump took his mask off outside. People are absolutely, absolutely nuts. Um, but I, I just want to note that that's what you're facing with Joe Biden. You'll 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 be vaccinated and people will say you still have to you still have to wear a mask. I mean, it's the it's the dumbest thing in the world at this point. I mean, we're we're very close to a vaccine. And what we realize is that they don't care. They're not going to give up all this power. What do you you think? You think the Democrat plan is, oh, OK, we got a vaccine, guys. Let's start going back to normal life. No, they like this. In fact, you can see a chart. It's very instructive. People who are high earners. During the pandemic, they've been doing great. They don't have to go to the office anymore. They've still got their jobs. They're fine. People that work in the service industry, people that work in stores, small business owners, they're getting crushed. So now you say, well, Buck, isn't that bad for the Democrats? Because aren't there a lot of... No, because the Democrats blame it all on Trump. And they say it's all Trump's fault. And that then becomes their answer for everything. So they get to, you know, Nancy Pelosi gets to stay in her mansion in San Francisco... Uh, and have, you know, servants and people doing everything for her all the time. And then when people say, wait a second, my my job is gone or my 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 business is gone. You know, the grocery not the grocery stores have been doing fine. But, you know, the the bar that I own is shut down forever. She goes, yeah, it's Trump's fault. Oh, 
Okay. But you see, they have no, Pelosi has no skin of the game. She doesn't care. It doesn't matter to her. Most of the journos out there, too, they're just, you know, website writers and stuff. They're all working from home. Look, I mean, people like me, even who work in the media, been very lucky during this whole thing. But I actually want people to be able to go back to restaurants and eat and live their lives. And I've been advocating for it for many months now. Because I understand what's actually happening to, happening to people across the country. And because it comes in waves, too, it's very hard to get a critical mass of Americans to say enough. And I've noticed this, you know, it's a little bit of a divide and conquer problem we have with the covid lockdowns, because, you know, when I was talking about this in New York, and New Jersey in the early days, let's say March, April, a lot of people were writing in and saying, you know, Buck, it's not that bad. You know, why are you talking about this so much? And I was like, well, it's going to come for you guys, too. And then it hit Florida and then it hit Texas. And when I say it comes for you, the virus, but also the lockdowns, the policies, you know, and obviously it hit California. And then, you know, they've they've been going through California. What are we supposed to believe? They they have had another surge in cases recently, and it's because they didn't wear masks enough. I mean, oh, oh, wait, before we move on back to the Biden the town hall. Don't ever forget. Don't ever, they're going to try to make you forget this. Don't ever forget that the lib journos and the blue check docs uh, that they were all making excuses or even entirely justifying when the pandemic was at a very high level of spread across the country. Still, they were justifying massive, uh, massive gatherings, protests of people where there was very little policing of masks. Some people wore masks. Uh, plenty of people did not because they said it was so important for the BLM movement because that was really saving lives. And they went out and they justified that. Never listen to these frauds again. Never listen to them again. Oh, and the anti-lockdown protests were dangerous, but the BLM protests were fine. That's what we were being told. This is just lib socialist tyranny. That's all it is. That's all you're really getting. You're getting your 30-day free trial of uh, commies in charge right now with all this nonsense. And if you let Bi- if you let Biden win, my God, this is going to be a, it's going to be a nightmare for the country, and not just on um, not just on you know the COVID issues on, on everything. Let's uh, let's get to it now. Let, let's jump into what Biden says. I want to start. I was just talking about BLM. What's Biden's answer for how we can improve policing in this country? You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I'm going to do what I've done in the past. I'm going to bring all these interests together. Peaceful protesters, police chiefs, police officers, the police unions, as well as the civil rights groups in the White House and sit down and decide what are the things that need to be done to improve and help police officers. I'm the only one who's talked about increasing police budgets. When your husband goes on a call that, in fact, is a 911 call, it's better if he or she has with them a psychologist or psychiatrist with them, someone who knows how to deal with someone who is not all there. And so there's a lot of things we should be doing. In addition to that, I also am proposing that we spend a significantly more money on community policing. The reason it worked, my son used to be an attorney general of the state of Delaware. The idea is you get the police, you get the law enforcement together with the community so they know one another. Because that kid walking across the street with a hoodie on may be the next poet laureate. It doesn't mean that child is going to be in trouble. Just all 
liberal claptrap and blather from Biden here. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable, actually. This is this is what he thinks. This shows you how much he understands about law enforcement, the problems of law enforcement, the challenges that they face. And there's a reason why in the debate. And this was a moment that Trump did get in a really good shot. Has any law has any major law enforcement organization come out in support of Joe Biden's candidacy? He didn't have an answer then because we all think the answer is no, they don't because they know they know the Democrat Party in order to try to turn out the minority vote and in order to create a narrative of of uh, Trump as a bad guy who, you know, is all these things, white nationalist, he's a racist, he's terrible. Uh, They're willing to throw police under the bus. They're willing to throw police under the bus and say that police are the problem. And this is just a Democrat political strategy. That's all they're doing. It's very obvious. I think we all recognize it for what it is, at least if you're objective and clear eyed in how you approach this stuff. And just just look at some of the things that he says, first of all, that he wants to increase police budgets. Why? Why exactly is that? Okay, so we've gone from defund the cops, which is what the rallying cry of the Democrats was all summer. to now Biden's like, I want to increase the, the budget for policing. But you see, I'm sure he would have to then add to it, but only for certain things, not for actual cops. Let's let's make the police department a bloated, uh, a bloated jobs program for lazy Democrats. That's really what they want to do. That's the that's the idea. They've done this in the public school system. The biggest area of growth in the public school system in terms of employment over the last 20 years is non-teaching administrative staff. So that's where you get all these, you know, you want as many Vice principals and assistant vice principals and deputy assistant vice principals. You can possibly get in there, you know, make sure everyone's making uh, 120 to 150 grand unfireable. No real job description to speak of other than just have an office and be there. There's been a six fold increase in the last I think it's the last 15 years might be the last 20 years of administrative staff in the public school system where you're just like, well, okay, what is this? Just bureaucrats bureaucrats maybe put as many bureaucrats in there as possible that's the plan and so biden when he's talking about making the police departments have a bigger budget no one really thinks it's so we can put more cops on the street right cops are if you listen to democrats they're bad they're racist cops are killing unarmed black men for sport systematically across the country that's what we've been told for months they're still burning down buildings and uh you know looting and rioting and doing all this crazy crap over that lie they're still doing it. That hasn't changed. So let's let's look at some of the specifics here. Biden says that if he were in charge, he would want to uh, he would want to make sure that there was a psychologist or a psychiatrist with a cop on a 911 call. You want to talk about just uh, a proposition that I want to know how he thinks this is going to work exactly. Do you want to be the psychiatrist who gets to go on domestic violence calls with a cop? in the hopes that maybe, maybe your services are needed and that you're not just there to watch somebody try to, you know, hit their ex-husband in the face with a frying pan or a meat cleaver. I mean, you, you want that job? What are these psychiatrists? Psychiatrists go to med school. That's an MD. Uh, unlike Joe Biden's wife, who we call doctor because she has a doctorate in education. Sorry, not calling her doctor. Uh, to be a psychiatrist, you actually have to have an MD. You have to go to medical school. We're going to have MDs riding along for for what, what, what would be the standard? No, I really mean this. He says this. He's a presidential candidate. Let's think this through. 
When does the psychiatrist go along for the uh, for the police call? Where's that psychiatrist all day? Are they waiting in an office to get sent along in, in the case that there's somebody who's what we would call in police, what they call in police work, an EDP, an emotionally disturbed person? Okay. Uh, no. Now, the cops can go and do. The procedure is you go, you make sure everyone's safe, you deal with any issues of, of law-breaking or anyone in imminent harm, and then if you need to, you take somebody to the psych unit in a, in a hospital, right? That, that's the way it works right now. We're, we're going to send out uh, psychologists and psychiatrists on police calls? You know what we should do? Let's send social workers. Remember when that was the plan? They've, they've had to step away from that one because it was so stupid. Yes, send a social worker. Hey, um, I know that, you know, you, you know, fired off a bunch of rounds at your neighbor with your Glock because, you know, you don't like the way that his hat was on his head or something. But, you know, let's talk about your childhood. Yeah. That's really going to solve things. That's really going to solve things. Hey, I, I know a great I know a great jobs website that I could introduce you to. So can you can you take that baseball bat out of your hands and stop threatening to kill your neighbor with it? Because there's really great job opportunities. Out. Now, look, I'm not saying that there's not a role for people to be out there, but the cops have a job to do. And the job is not to be everyone's babysitter in society. It's not to be all the and we already ask so much of law enforcement in this regard. And, you know, they overwhelmingly rise to the occasion and have to do a lot of it. They got to be on. And every cop I know will say they got to be on the spot therapist. They got to intervene in family disputes. They got to make people feel safe while also making sure the law is being enforced. While also, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into this. Not an easy job, folks. Not an easy job. Who threw them under the bus this summer because it was politically expedient? Who allowed lies to be told about our law enforcement community? Endlessly magnified them. Democrat Party and the media. You know, the same people that that go on TV at MSNBC and talk about how racist cops are all the time. I assure you, if someone, you know, broke into the back door of their mansion in Calorama, they would call those cops and expect them there right away. And they would be very happy to see them. Uh, But then they'd go on TV the next night and talk about how cops are racist murderers again, because that's what their audience has been trained to believe. And that's the that's the big lie of the Democrat Party. Uh, Oh, and then community policing. This is what people say who don't really know anything. Right. Community policing. You know what? Another word for community policing is policing. The NYPD, the LAPD, they have outreach programs. They have community liaison officers. They got, you know, and overwhelmingly. Including in large cities, the, the relationship with most of the population, most of the residents of the city and the police force is very good. There's a small subset of the population that wants to go out and riot and attack cops and spit on them and act like they're the bad guys. They just happen to all be Democrats. That's the problem. It's all Democrats. This is their issue. This is their shortcoming. They're failing. And Biden talking about this. I mean, it's just laughable idiocy from this clown. It really is. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we hadn't heard from one voice in the Democrat Party in a while that I thought would be playing a much bigger role in this. Um, Michelle Obama. I remember people were talking about 
how Michelle Obama was going to be the candidate. We just didn't know it yet. She wasn't in the primary, but she didn't have to run the primary. The the Democrats were just going to say, you know, you know what our best option is? We're going to run Michelle Obama. And I actually believe I'm, I'm not saying I think she'd be a good president. I'm not even getting into any of that. I think she would have been a much more formidable candidate if she had decided to do it than Joe Biden, just based on the on Obama and the name recognition and the association and the Democrats loving the 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 premier brand in the Democrat Party today is not Kennedy, is not Clinton, certainly not Biden, although I know he's running for president. It's Obama. We hadn't really heard much from Michelle Obama or Barack Obama. Barack put out a a statement and I look, I I call them I call them as I see them uh, balls and strikes. Uh, Barack put out a decent statement about Trump and wasn't I I don't remember. I didn't see it being uh, anything. The I hope he gets better, but he deserved it. That's what most Democrats were doing on Friday. I think Barack actually put out a a fair enough statement on it. I also think that Republican presidents is a perfect example of the unilateral disarmament that the GOP used to believe in. You know, Bush never weighed in against Obama, really. And uh, the Obamas clearly have weighed in plenty against Trump and, and a very in some cases, I think, very unfair and uh, undermining ways. Uh, But Michelle Obama released a statement here because clearly the Democrats are going to throw everything they've got at Trump in these last few weeks. And there is a lot of pressure on Michelle Obama and, and Barack Obama to push Joe Biden, whom they didn't even want to run in 2016. Can we just take a moment to remember that for a second? Why wasn't Joe Biden the candidate in 2016 again? Guy had been vice president for eight years. But he's so great. We can trust Joe. He's really smart. He's a really good leader. That's what they're telling us now. But in 2016, he was the VP. Shouldn't he have been the he was younger? He was coming out of being the vice president. Shouldn't he have been the natural choice? What wasn't Joe? Biden? I, I know the media. Everyone wants you to forget about this. Wasn't he the natural choice? Why wasn't he the candidate for the Democrats again? Why weren't the Obamas coming out with all the most you know, flourishing praise imaginable for what a great leader Joe Biden would be as next president of the United States. No, it was all Hillary. It was her. It was her party. It was it was hers. And, you know, Bernie Sanders was the one, not Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders was the one that almost reigned on the Hillary parade there. Um, so that's what ended up happening. Now we have Michelle Obama coming out to speak us specifically about the BLM riots and, I, and you know I'm going to have an issue with this. Here's what she said. Play 12. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs, whipping up violence and intimidation. And they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. So what the president is doing is once again patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. But that doesn't mean it won't work. Saying Trump's being a racist. Okay, well, we knew this was going to happen. But the part of this that you probably already guessed gets me the most angry is the only a tiny fraction of the BLM movement for racial justice. No, BLM is a movement. That is explicitly about cops murdering black men without consequence. That is what BLM is about. That's why it's Black Lives Matter. It's not the black equality movement. That's not what they call it. It's Black Lives Matter. It's about cops shooting unarmed black men. That has been from the very beginning. 
the foundational uh, lie of the movement, but that's their foundational concept. That's the thesis of it. Okay, so let's start with that. To say it's about black equality, uh, that's actually not what the movement... I mean, that's broadening out the definition in such a way that it forgets what really this all got started. Why did it... why Why was black equality all of a sudden an issue again after George Floyd? Right. Why do they always talk about the, those those kinds of cases? White cop, black uh, suspect or black you know citizen, individual and a use of force. incident. that's where. So let, let, let let's see this dishonest. She's just being dishonest. OK, that there's a dishonesty in this. Say what the movement's really about at this point. But they can't. They don't want to really want to talk about that because we've seen what ends up happening in some of these cases. We've seen that there's always more to the story than we're told in the beginning. And also, it's not a good look for the Democrat Party to uh, really defame law enforcement right before we're going into a general election. So they're trying to move it away from law enforcement, the bad guys. But no, no, I'm not going to let them do that. I'm going to remember that. But the a small percentage of the protests were not peaceful. Notice they won't say, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the great lie of the summer of 2020. Democrats were looting and rioting and destroying billions of dollars of businesses, of of merchandise, of think about it. It's, remember, it's not even just what they steal and what they break. It's what this means for property values in the neighborhood where they've done the destruction. It's what it means for businesses that don't renew the lease, businesses that are out of business for a month or more while they try to get restocking of the shelves and try to repair the damage done, working through the insurance companies. I mean, that was another a, a horrific line you heard from Libs during all this. Oh, they have insurance. Has anyone ever dealt with an insurance company that was like, yeah, great. We're happy to write you a huge check for everything and make you make you feel better about everything. I know there are commercials like that, but eh, a lot of insurance companies, not all of them, but a lot of them are very into. Oh, sorry. You didn't see page 37, section C, subheading 1.2 because, you know, you didn't have the required lock on that back door. So now you don't get your check. Sorry. All on you. So we've all we've all been there. We've all we all know what that can be like. But this this story that it's a small percentage of the protests were not peaceful. Uh, okay, let's play this game for a second. So does that mean it's not a big deal? There is not a single study you will see, not one study anywhere of covid right now that will say that it has a one percent or more fatality rate. So what if I just walked around all the time saying, well, you know, COVID is basically nothing because less than 1% of people die from it, which is what they say. Don't even pay attention to it. Less than 1% die from it. That would be, everyone would say, whoa, hold on a second. I mean, 1%, it's actually a lot of people. 1% of protests being violent, destructive, anarchic riots when you have hundreds of cities with protests all summer? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's indicative of a movement that is morally rotten and corrupt and wrong. That's what it shows. Oh, but it's a very small percentage. Really? A very small percentage of the large protests in large cities? You know, are we, are we including 10 people getting together in a town of 50,000 somewhere saying Black Lives Matter as a protest the same way we would what happened here in New York where there was rioting on my block? Destroyed windows. It was I mean, a disgrace. These are all Biden voters. They want you to forget that now, though. They'll do anything. They're desperate. 
These are Biden voters who did this. They're Biden voters that while the country was dealing with a pandemic, thought that it was time to loot and riot and burn and attack. It's Biden voters who were shining lasers into the eyes of police officers, including federal law enforcement in Portland, to blind them as if that's funny. If someone tried to blind me and I shot them, I would not feel bad about it. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You're going to try to take my sight away. I got a sidearm. I'm using it. But they pretend like it was no big, no big deal. No big deal. Just a small percentage. Michelle Obama, part of the propaganda. Part of the It's really just gross. That was a gross statement. It was wrong. Um, anybody who works in law enforcement, has law enforcement in their family, should be horrified at what the Democrat Party has become. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. They, look, let's be clear. The Democrats have a big chunk of, of their base that hate your husband, wife, son, daughter, you name it. If they work in law enforcement, despise them. It's an anti-cop movement. We've known this for a long time. It has been from the very beginning. Cops are bad. Cops are bad because they stand in the way of the anarchic mob from just being able to intimidate people and do whatever they want. So they hate cops. Right? And cops are also, also in, in the leftist approach to all this, they're the manifestation of state authority that for an oppressive and racist state, which we're told America is, means that they are effectively the shock troops of racism. Police are the shock troops of racism in America. We have a racist system. Joe Biden in the last debate, Remember that he was saying that, you know, you know oh, the schools are racist and the courts are racist and the cops are racist and you know, everything was racist. So the police become then instruments of force in a racist society for a racist system. So, yeah, they are the bad guys as far as Democrats are concerned, aren't they? OK, OK, libs. Stay with that. Make that case. Be honest about what you believe. But you see, that's the big problem for Biden, for the Democrats right now in general. They can't be honest about what they believe. They need to fool people. They need to pretend that Joe Biden's just a just a guy from, you know, decades ago. You can trust Joe. He's the guy who's at your son's little league game, you know, cheering on both sides. And he's such a good guy. Joe Biden is a clown and a jerk who's only ever cared about Joe Biden in his public life. That's it. Doesn't do anything for this country. Doesn't know enough to do anything for this country. This guy's not a leader. He's a sheep. He's a follower. Always has been. What do I need to do? Who do I need to get money from? And what do I need to say to get reelected? That's this guy's entire professional life. That's it. But no, he's going to keep saying all this stuff. Going to keep all these narratives going just for what? Wow, I'm looking at the. It's uh, October 6th. We've got uh, less than a month here, folks. I've been telling you, I've been trying to prepare us all for how many lies they're going to tell and just how ruthless and shameless this whole thing is going to get. And I just want to say I am aware of the fact that it's not possible to really prepare yourself for this because whatever you think is the absolute gutter, whatever you think is the basement of ethics and morality and decency that Democrats will reach in this quest to defeat Trump in this reelection, they will go 10 layers below that. They'll, they're going to find a way. You've already seen it. I mean, you got a little bit of it. You're going to see more of it with the Amy Coney Barrett situation. Where what is that next next week? Right. We're going to have the beginning of the hearings. They're going to say adoption uh, that they're, they're going to write and the media doing the, the bidding of the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, committee. Uh, they're they're going to write pieces that call into question. They've already done it a little bit. Call into question the ethics of cross racial adoption. They're going to do it. 
They're, they're going to go there as just as immoral and, and awful as that is. They'll do it. And anything, anything to show, even if they can't stop the ACB, ACB nomination, they want to make a show for their supporters, for the, for the Democrat voters and the, and the media, make a show of how much they hate her. So then that at least puts them in good standing with their own side. So even if they're just throwing, you know, mud and and proverbial bags of urine at the passing motorcade, so to speak, uh, and it's not going to stop ACB from getting where she's trying to go. They want to make sure everyone knows how much they despise and hate her. And it's going to be disgusting. It's going to be truly disgusting. Get ready for it. But but Biden's the good guy represents good, good people in the Democrat Party. And people are. A bunch of, you know, soy boy, snowflake lunatics. That's what the that's what the Democrat Party has actually become. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. So there was this NBC News town hall and there were just some things that Biden said that I wanted to go over with you for a moment here. Um, Play clip eight. I grew up in a neighborhood where the guys I grew up in my working class neighborhood either became cops, firefighters, or priests. I wasn't qualified to be any one of them. I have had overwhelming support from police my whole career up until this year, as your husband will tell you. The vast, vast, vast majority of police are honorable, decent men and women who risk their lives every single day when they put on that badge and walk out that door. They have a right to come home safely. But there's bad apples in every profession. There are lousy commentators, there are lousy presidents, there's lousy senators, docs, and they should be, in fact, I can think of, I don't know any police department around that isn't happy to get rid of a lousy cop because it just reflects on them. So what's the problem then? Let's let's now let's now make them explain what they're saying today as opposed to what they've been saying all summer. So if they're if all cops are basically good except for a few bad apples and police departments want to get rid of the bad apples right away, where's that systemic racism we're always told about? Where's that where's that evil cop hunting unarmed black men that gets away with it and nobody cares that BLM is always telling us about? It can't be both. Right. But Biden's saying this now, because he's hoping people don't listen to what him, uh, what he and his party were saying for the previous four or five months, right? May, June, July, August, May, June, July, August, yeah, September. That's what's been going on. So he's telling us all that. First of all, I think it was funny. He's like, I wasn't qualified to be a cop. Why weren't you qualified to be a cop? I mean, I'm not saying that there's no qualifications, but I just think we, this guy's going to be president now. We should know. What do you mean you weren't qualified to be a cop? You need to have a you know clean record, no drugs, and high school, and pass a test. I mean, that's pretty much usually what you got to do to anyway. I thought that, but you know, he's trying to do the whole oh, I love law enforcement. I'm just good old blue collar Joe. I love law enforcement. Sure, he does. Um, and then there was uh, this claim about his foreign policy credentials that makes no sense to anyone. Play five. Joe Biden was too centrist, too moderate, too straightforward. That was Joe Biden. I have taken on the very people that, in fact, we're worried about. 
I've taken on the Castros of the world. I've taken on the Putins of the world. I've taken on all these dictators. I haven't cozied up to them. I'm the guy that's been straightforward with them. I'm the guy that's let them know it stops here. It stops with me. It stops with me as president. I am no more a socialist than uh, or a communist than Donald Trump is. Well, I won't say it anyway. So they need not worry. Just look at the record. There's not one single syllable that I've ever said that could lead you to believe that I was a socialist or a communist. His party's a bunch of socialists, though. We all know it. And as for the Castro thing, no, the Obama administration was very friendly to the Castros. Obama was making concessions to Cuba with nothing in return because Obama you know, likes Cuba. That was that was clear from the administration. There was a there was a real soft spot for Cuba. There was a soft spot for the mullahs in Tehran. Got to give them what they want. You know, we got to bring them over to our side of things. We don't want them to be unhappy with us. And with Putin, when when did Putin seize Crimea? Who was president? Let's do a, a quick fun review. When did Russia decide to go in heavy into Syria and establish themselves as a dominant player because they weren't worried about anyone pushing back on any of this? Or who was president during that? Oh, when the when the invasion of eastern Ukraine by Russian separatists happened, uh, in the Donbass region, who was president then? Uh, oh, it wasn't it wasn't Donald Trump and it wasn't George W. But oh, that's right. It was Obama and Biden was his vice president. And who had the portfolio in the U.S. government when it came to foreign policy of Ukraine? And the only memorable thing about his time as that point man for the administration was his son getting paid millions of dollars to sit on the board of a Ukrainian gas company. Because that would never influence dad's thinking, right? Because we're all supposed to be morons who don't understand what really was going on there. Right. Yeah. But notice here, I'm just so straightforward. I'm blue collar Joe. You can trust me. It's all lies, folks. All garbage. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. It is time for Roll Call. Although I I didn't give you much of a preview of my feelings around the vice presidential debate tomorrow night. I just want to say, because we'll talk a lot more about this tomorrow, but we're going to have Vice President Pence and Kamala Harris I can't tell if this is just going to be I, I go back and forth, whether it's just going to be really uh, kind of a non-event or if, if it might be surprisingly interesting. Uh, you know, Pence is a is a gentleman, so he's not going to be a, aggressive up there. That's just not his way. Kamala is not charismatic, so she's going to just do her usual talking points about stuff. But I think it could get interesting if Kamala tries to really I think she may be the aggressor and may go after uh, Pence quite a bit on that stage, because you have to remember, she's also really auditioning for the role of president in waiting here. I think that that's just fair to say, given that given that Joe Biden is 78 years old and is going to be in his 80s in the middle of his first presidential term, there's a very real possibility that Kamala Harris is going to have to step up and take his job. So she's going to want to 
she's going to make make a bit of a splash. And if, and if she just does the, her talking points and Pence does his, I feel like it's going to, you know, no one's even really going to remember it the next day. I mean, who even remembers the first debate at this point? I feel like it's eons ago now. Um, but she may decide to try to go after Pence a little bit. I think that would be interesting. I kind of want to see beast mode Pence. I don't know if we'll get there or not, but I'd like to see Pence roll up the sleeves and uh, see, see, see what he's got. A little. Look, the guy was governor of Indiana. I mean, he's been in the game. He knows he knows how to get uh, knows how to get his message across, certainly to his own constituents. So we'll see. I'm just uh, I'm going to watch it. I think I'm going to probably live tweet it. And it might be the most interesting part of the whole thing. But we'll see. Larry. Uh, why don't they just throw out of the press briefing a reporter who asks a question that has been answered, especially when they ask if the president is going to denounce white supremacy again? Shields high. Larry, you know, there's a I, I understand your the why you'd feel that way. And it is annoying when they ask the president to denounce white supremacy when he's already done it 100 times. But, you know, you start kicking people out of the press briefing and then you, tr- then you turn them into First Amendment martyrs. And, you know, look at look at someone like Jim Acosta. Fortunately, no one really thinks about or cares about it anymore. But this is a guy who just built he, he built a name for himself by being the really unhinged opposition to Trump. And that's how he became a, you know, a household name. I mean, in conservative households for the purposes of mockery. But you guys know who Jim Acosta is. So do I. Other than that, he's just a completely replaceable jur- uh, journalist. He could be a journo for, you know, the, the local broadcast news station in Seattle, Washington or something. You know, the guy could be anywhere. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Totally replaceable. But by being crazy anti-Trump but still pretending to be a journo, he put himself in a position where uh, he built up quite a career for himself. So there is that. Um, we'll have to see. Producer Mark, did you grow, was there like a news channel you grew up watching? Uh, not really. I, I guess ABC7 in New York was always yeah, the ABC local 7. channel. That's kind of, yeah, what I, I wonder what your local... I remember local... I liked local news when I was a kid. I remember watching... I actually watched uh, the WPIX channel in New York. Yeah, they were also... There were, a oh, couple, there were a couple good ones that, you know, they're, they're interchangeable when it's local news. Yeah, but I, I liked it, too, because they would also run a lot of a lot of uh, cheesy action movies after the or no before the local news. So I'd get to watch Chuck Norris and Schwarzenegger movies from, you know, 15 or 20 years ago or whatever. And, and then I get to watch my local news and learn about, you know, how Myrtle the Turtle in Central Park was saved despite, you know, being run over by a bicycle. Those are very important stuff. I believe that's the channel I watched most of my Seinfeld reruns back in the day before streaming was a thing. There we go. Yeah, I'm going to have to start watching some Seinfeld so I can throw Seinfeld references into the show so you can catch them and uh, realize that I've got, I've got some Seinfeld skills. I haven't. There's how many? How many seasons are there? Like uh, how many other? Uh, I think eight between eight and ten somewhere like eight that. And ten. And there's a lot of seasons. Um, but and, and how many? It's like 20 episodes a season or something like that around that. Yeah, so there's a lot of Seinfeld out there, but I could catch up and watch some of it. Do you think it, it, all, it all holds up still to this day? Absolutely. I don't think there's any show that holds up from the 90s better. Certainly not the uh, bad show like, you know, Friends. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just throw Friends under the butt. They're redoing Friends. Did you see that? They're going to redo a terrible show. Why? I mean, let's not call Friends terrible. Let's not get crazy. It was not good. 
I mean, I think you're not giving Joey and Chandler enough credit here, but I think they're redoing Friends, an entirely new cast. I think that's actually really? happening. I knew yeah. they did like a sit-down special for HBO Max with all five of the characters. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I would never watch I also, that. I, I tried uh, with Snow Princess last night. We tried this new show, Evil. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's kind of like an, you know, investigating exorcism, paranormal activity kind of show. Meh, you know. I would so much have preferred a show with Mike Myers just being Dr. Evil. Um, Sounds much better. Yeah, I mean, Mike Myers in his prime was fantastic. So uh, he was absolutely great, you know, back in the day. I thought I, I saw Married an Axe Murderer as a movie that I like, even though it's, it's a bad movie that I like. I don't care that it's... I, I, I'm getting too far off. You've never seen that, right? This, no, uh, but I was going to say bad movies that everyone likes. Austin Powers has to be in there. I don't think that's a bad movie. You don't think, think Austin good. Powers is bad? It's just so no. cheesy. No, but it's, it's supposed to be. It's intentionally cheesy. And that's why it's an intentionally good, bad movie. Like, I like Masters of the Universe because Dolph Lundgren is running around fighting monsters, and it's supposed to be like a superhero movie, basically, and he's wearing a mankini with a cape, and that's it. <laughs> it's like, what is this? They don't have shirts? Back in uh, in He-Man land or whatever? Anyway, I'm just saying. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, they, they did the same thing in the movie 300, which is a fantastic movie, too, where these guys are all walking around shirtless with red capes on, which is not how the, the ancient Greek phalanx It doesn't fight. have to be uh, historically accurate. It has to be entertaining. And, and, it's, and it sufficed in that regard. I will tell you that for sure. It was very, very good. All right. Back into, back into roll call. Back into roll call. We got Daniel... I read that Steve Scully, the C-SPAN moderator for the second presidential presidential debate, was a former intern for Joe Biden during his time in the Senate. If we thought Chris Wallace was bad, I can only imagine that this next debate will be even worse. How does something like this happen? How does the Trump campaign agree to these moderators? In fairness, I think a former Celebrity Apprentice contestant should moderate the third debate. I nominate Gary Busey for the role. Okay, first of all. Gary Busey fan, he really carried Point Break on his shoulders. So we should all be, we should all be on the same page with that one. Uh, Gary Busey is the best part of Point Break. Although I, I will say Keanu and Patrick Swayze had pretty good on-screen chemistry. But uh, Gary was great in that movie. And Utah, give me two. Uh, as for C-SPAN, I've never heard of this guy, Steve Scully, before. never even heard of him before. I didn't know anyone even watched C-SPAN. I thought C-SPAN had become the equivalent of one of those those webcams they set up that shows you like, uh, you know, the, the pandas in the zoo. Like it's just on all day, but you don't, you know, people kind of tune in and out. But there's not I didn't realize that there were <laughs> just being I didn't realize that C-SPAN had like anchors or anything. I thought it was just kind of showing you what happens in the Senate or the Congress, that kind of stuff. So apparently C-SPAN does have people that, that work there as journalists and. Uh, yeah, I'm sure this guy, Steve Scully, he's not going to be as bad as, you know, Chris Wallace was trying to make a real point because his brand is that, you know, he's a true journo, you know, even though he works at Fox. So we'll see. Um, and he did, he did a terrible job. He can blame Trump as much as he wants to. The only thing for me with, with Chris Wallace that was the truly unforgivable bias moment was the, and there were a few that were bad, but the white supremacist, will you denounce white supremacists is... I mean, that is straight out of the lib hack playbook. It's absurd. It was unbelievable, completely unjustified. And 
As soon as you do that, I'm like, all right, we're done here. We're done here. Jen. Hey, Buck. I listen to you every day. You give me hope. Thank you so much, Jen. Gives me hope that you listen to the show. I'm a respiratory therapist in the great burning murderous city of Chicago. I'm a freedom lover and also a vegetarian. Yes, we do exist. Hmm. Interesting. Day after day, I speak love, but I also refuse to bend the knee. At times, it's exhausting. Thank you for bringing a smile to my face and bravery to say the truth when necessary. Shields high. Well, Jen, thank you so much for listening and for supporting the show. And it means a lot to us. And yeah, of course, there are vegan. There, there are vegetarians. There are vegans that love freedom. And well, I mean, as long as they love the Buck Sexton show, then they're good to go. Um, Producer Mark, have you, have you uh, ever been forced to eat like the vegetarian entree at, a, at an event because they didn't have any of whatever it was? Oh, because they ran out? Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. See, what happens to me at places is I say I have celiac disease, so I cannot have all the yummy stuff that everyone's eating. You know, the the um, obviously the bread before the meal. I can't eat the salad because of the croutons. And then I, I can't eat the uh, the meat because of the flour they use and the sauce on it. Or, you know, it's breaded or, you know, breaded pork loin or oh, these are all amazing. I can't eat any of this stuff. So they always go, oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll, we got you covered. And then they show up with my vegetarian entree, and it's always like three slices of eggplant and, uh, you know, a couple of carrots or something. And I sit here, and I'm like, I, I don't understand how anyone can choose this life. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I'm like, I don't, I don't get this at all. But, hey, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get now the vegans and vegetarians, and we love you. But the vegans and vegetarians listening to this show are going to start. They, they love to send me their, like, uh, you know, six-pack abs photos and stuff. Like, raw vegan for 15 years. I'm like, look, whatever works for you, man. Whatever works for you. So. I, I could never do it, but to play devil's advocate, I, I believe that's just at, like, major catering halls and stuff. Usually, if you go to a restaurant, they have something vegetarian that is actually good. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. On a vegetarian, vegetarian food can be good, but I'm just saying when you're at a banquet... And they, you know, yeah. and it's like what they got is what they got. And you are get, you're getting stuck with the vegetarian. It's always like, whomp, whomp, you know, it's always it's, a, it's, it's always at weddings, too. They always weddings. get mad. Yeah. Well, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to weddings where they brought out some strips of some strips of eggplant and, uh, you know, like a, a roast radish. I always want to be like, I got an idea. Give me French fries. That's vegetarian. How about that? Hey, technically, my wedding was vegetarian, and uh, you ate, right? There was food. I ate food. I don't know. They took care of me. I don't remember what exactly. was good. I, yeah. I made was sure I hooked you up. Your wedding was vegetarian? Technically, because it was kosher dairy. Really? We've gone over this on the show like four times. I forget. Yeah. I don't know. I was too busy cutting it up on the dance floor. All right, Michael. Uh, I love two things about Trump, his desire to hang in and be president of the United States, no matter his personal cost and the facts that he makes lemonade with the lemons thrown at him. I think in the end, this and how he handles it will help Trump get reelected. Um, Michael, yeah, I mean, look, he's he's hanging in there, that's for sure. And he does take what the media throws at him and does a masterful job of turning it around, which is one of the reasons why they, of course, hate him so very much and completely lose their minds over all things Trump. So there you go. And uh, what was the last thing? Help him get reelected from Michael, from your lips to God's ears. Let's hope so. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Next up in roll call, we've got Kevin. Producer Mark just settled a fierce debate for me. In and out is fast food. In fact, the fast food. In and out refers to the drive through and they were the first to do it. Shake Shack, on the other hand, competes at the Five Guys level, which is fast casual. Yes. Thank you, Producer Mark. The fact that In-N-Out is compared to Five Guys or Shake Shack shows they're punching well above their weight class. Honestly, this is more for Producer Mark, but you have good food opinions, too. <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you. We always like it when one, of, when one of Producer Mark's cousins writes in on the show. I appreciate that. I've never met that person before in my life, I promise. But you, you, but so you co-sign here with his uh, fast casual yeah. analysis. Huh? I'm an expert on two things: food and sports. Yeah, I mean, look, Five Guys is, is I, I, it's delicious. It is delicious. So I, I go with that. In and out. So here's my beef with In and Out. My only problem with In and Out Burger is that it's uh, the French fries are not good. the The burgers are great, and they'll do a lettuce wrap for me so I can eat it, which is which is very nice. Um, and the animal style thing. Also, I can eat that. But uh, I, I, the fries are just not. You have to animal style the fries to make them worth eating. That's the that's the honest truth. I've still never been to in out in and out. This is amazing. We got to yeah. get you on a trip to L.A. because there's an in and out burger right near LAX that everyone goes to. And I know people that have said they've missed their flights because they were they were stuck in the in and out line. So I don't know if that's a, that, that sounds like an urban legend to me, but people have claimed that to me before. So. Yeah, I'm not Maybe missing my worth. flight for that. Sorry. Yeah, it's not worth missing your flight for. That's for sure. Mark, I'm retired U.S. Air Force working overseas. Just want to let you know I was listening to your show pretty much every day now. After four years of hearing constant bashing of our president, my brain was on fire and you and Rush were like water in the desert to me. The impressions are great, too. Dr. Fauci and the lady on The View. Thank you and God bless, Mark. Well, Mark, thank you, man. You know, Mark, we really appreciate that you like Joy Behar. You know, she's just going to, like, tell you things, and you're overseas, and you should watch her on The View every day. I know. it's. I'm mutilating your eardrums, but that way at least you know that it's Joy Behar. You know. Uh, Eric. Hey, Buck and Mark. Been a while since I've written in, but just wanted to share two thoughts. First of all, your Joy Behar on Friday. Bam! Again, Joy had me laughing. Then right as I started thinking, all right, Buck, we get it. You stopped on a dime and said the listeners were probably saying, okay, we get it, which made me laugh even more. She's literally the worst. See, Eric, we have like a mind meld here. You know, I, I know where the team is on this stuff. I understand. Secondly, by far, the best bad movie is Spaceballs. So many one-liners that everyone knows. That's it. She'll tie from the Southern Territory of the People's Republic of California. Eric, thanks so much for writing in. I think Spaceballs is a comedy. I think it's I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's just a little silly, but it tries to be silly. Yeah, that's different. It tries to be absurd. So I know it's a little bit of a, you know, category gray areas we get into here. Uh, so you know, Spaceballs, I think I think it holds up pretty well for what it is. Maybe not. I have to go back and watch it. I haven't seen it in a long time. That's the show, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Great to have you with me until next time. Shields high.